to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter. The other good thing about me losing my voice is I've got to save some for second service, right? So, um, no, I'm going to ask you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2 as we're working our way through 1 and 2 Peter. And, and as we're looking at 1 and 2 Peter, we're looking at what it is to actually be the people of God. So we've been bought with a price. We actually belong to Jesus now. We are a chosen people for Him. We are a royal priesthood. And as we look at the verses that we're going to look at over the next few weeks, we're going to, we're going to see what it truly means to be His people because of what He's done for us. But then on top of that, we want to then flip the coin and say, what's the other side of this coin? On one side of the coin, you have the fact that we've been purchased by Jesus' blood. We now belong to Him. On the other side of that coin is now, as God's people, we, are, we exist for a reason. We exist for a reason. We're not just waiting for heaven. We actually have a purpose on this earth. And, and we don't have to search for what that purpose is. We're, we tend to be the people who say, what's my purpose in this world? I need to find my purpose in this world. There was a thing that people did a lot um, where they graduate from high school and then they go find themselves, right? Find a purpose for their life. Well, the fact of the matter is we're given a purpose as the people of God. We have an explicit purpose given to us in Scripture. And we exist for this reason. And if we're doing anything other than this as our purpose, then we're missing our purpose. We're missing the reason for existing in Christ Jesus. I want to make sure we understand what our purpose is. We've read these verses for about a year um, at almost every service at the end of the service. So you should be well aware of them. And the reason we've read them is I want them to become more or less a purpose statement for us as a church. Why? Because the Bible says this is your purpose as a church. It's interesting how churches come up with purpose statements, right? We come up with nifty little sayings so that people can remember what the purpose of the church is. When we're given a very explicit purpose for the church. And let's not forget what God has called us to be in Christ Jesus. So if you look in your Bibles at 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 9 through 10 today. And we're going, to, we're going to start today by really just looking at what it means to be people who have been shown mercy. What does that mean for us? What does it mean for us to be people who have shown, been shown mercy by God? And then as we come back up to verse 9, so we're going to look at verse 10 today. We're going to come back up to verse 9 over the next couple of weeks. We're going to see how that mercy has now shaped us into the people of God. Okay? And I want us to see that so that we see the purpose that God has called us to. So follow along, if you would, in your copy of God's Word. Verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You want to know what the purpose of the body of Christ is, the purpose of the church is, go ahead and underline it in your Bibles that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. That is why we exist. I didn't see anybody underline it. I'm serious. You should underline that in your Bible. You should not forget that. It's that essential. There are lots of things that churches can do, but if a church isn't doing that, we're not a church. Let me say that again. There are lots of things that churches can do, but if a church is not proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus, the one who's called us out of darkness into His marvelous light, if we aren't the people going out into the community saying we are the people of God and God is greater than we are, we're not calling people to Jesus as opposed to our church, then we've missed it. 
We're not a church. We're a gathering of people on Sundays, but not a church. See, that's the difference between a church and a place where people gather on Sundays. It's one proclaims the excellencies of Jesus. The other tends to try to proclaim the excellencies of their programs and what they can accomplish. We should be praying for churches in our community. We should be praying for ourselves that we would not lose sight of this. We will proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. It goes on in verse 10 to say, Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He puts these two phrases, this once you were not, now you are. Once you had not, now you have. He puts them in an equation, more or less. How many of you are math people? Anybody a math person here who really like math? That is why you're at this church, because I hate math. Okay, that's good. No, good. All right, so math, equations, right? So you want uh, the idea of an equal sign is that both sides of the equation, no matter how different they look, they add up, right? So you can have different things going on on both sides, but they actually add up. And he basically puts an equal sign between these two phrases. So this is what he says. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people, equals... Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Everybody with me? So we're God's people because we've received mercy. We weren't God's people because we had not received mercy. Everybody with me? So we are God's people by the mercy of God. Which kind of flies in the face of people saying, well, I don't need the church. Right? Well, then you're saying you don't need the mercy of God. Well, that's like dropping a bomb, isn't it? On some people's spirituality. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. The church of Jesus Christ, the people of God, being the people of God, is an act of mercy. Because what did we deserve? We deserve to be alone. Because of our sin, we deserve to be isolated because of our sin. We were contentious people before Christ. We were people who were looking out for ourselves. Had God given us over to our own desires, what would we have? We'd have me, myself, and I. That would be my community. Had God given us over to our own desires with our own selves on the throne of our own lives, we wouldn't have community. We'd have us. Me. I. That's what we would have. And by His mercy, He didn't leave us there. By His mercy, He didn't leave us far off from Him, but He brought us in. So, we are God's people by God's great mercy. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what it looks like to be the people of God because of God's mercy. We're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people possessed by God. We will look at the purpose of God's people, the purpose of being a church, but Today, we need to understand this mercy that's been given to us. We celebrated this mercy in the Lord's Supper. We sing of this mercy because we've had a fountain of Jesus' blood poured out on us, which we did not deserve. We're told here, once you were not a people. So, we used to have our own nation. It was the nation of, for me, it was the nation of Brad, right? Right? the nation of Ken, the nation of Roger. I had my own nation. right? I had my own people. 
everybody bow to my will. That's what I wanted. I wanted everybody to do things my way. I wanted everything, everybody to adjust to me. That was the way of life before Christ. Once you were not a people. You had a people. It was just me, myself, and I. We had a nation. We had a family. It was whoever I wanted in. Whoever I let get close. Whoever was like me. Whoever I could get along with. Whoever liked the same things that I liked. Whoever I could have a conversation with. There was no room for people older than me or younger than me. There was no room for people different than me. Whether the way they looked or their job or their career path or their ideas about the world, their parenting ideas, their, all of these things excluded people from my life. I had a nation. I had a family. I had a people. I had a community. It was what I wanted. I became just like the world. I was just like the world. The world wants what the world wants. And the isolation and the individualism and the selfishness of the world was my life. Once we weren't a people. Once I had no fellowship with Kenny. I had no fellowship with Al. I had no fellowship with Rebecca. Once I wouldn't have desired fellowship with Kenny, with Al, with Rebecca. Why? Because I wanted to make the rules. I wanted to be the king. I wanted to be the president of my own nation. The nation of Brad. Everybody with me? This is who we were when we had not received the mercy of God. Some of us still live that way, don't we? Some of us are still in that mode and that mindset. Some of us have not given over to the fact that we are now God's people. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. That means we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We've been bought with a price. Your life is not your own. You belong to Him. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. We had a citizenship before we were citizens of this earth. We had a king, and the Bible says our king was the prince of the power of the air. Our king was Satan. Our king was sin and death. Now, we are God's people. We're a new people. We have a new citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we await from it our Lord and Savior. Our citizenship is in a new nation that we're waiting for. We have a new family, not made up of our flesh and blood, but made up of the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all unrighteousness, made up of His Spirit that, who binds us together and makes us one in Him. We once weren't a people, but now we are God's people. We have a new nation with Jesus as our King. We're a new nation made up of all nations. So color makes no difference in this nation. Differences are put aside in this nation because we have a new king. We have a new spirit. We have new hearts. We have a new identity. We have new community. I'm able to have community with people that I have nothing in common with. 
but the fact that we have the same Spirit and the same Lord. We have new community and we are a new people. See, in verse 10 he says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Another way of putting this would be, you are a new people. That's the idea. You are God's new people. You weren't. Now you're a new people in God. And this newness is the thing we tend to fight against, right? Newness is not something we do well with most of the time. Because we had an old way. But God's called us to a new way. We have a new home and a new king. Jesus. You see, in America, the nation is supposed to be, and I said supposed to be, of the people, by the people, and for the people. Right? We get very up in arms about that. But in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom is supposed to be of the king, by the king, and for the king. That's who we're supposed to be. And when we submit to that reality and we rejoice in that reality and we embrace that reality, then we receive mercy. (laughs) So here we're told, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once, when you weren't a people, you had not received mercy. But now, you're God's people, you have received mercy. You have a new identity and a new nation and a new family and a new king. And in that king... You have great mercy. What is this great mercy? Well, the Bible defines mercy with different words in different translations. You'll go through the Old Testament if you're a King James or New King James fan. You'll go through your Bible and you'll see in the Old Testament the word mercy, which can be three or four different words. It could be compassion. It could be the loving kindness of God. All of these things. But at the heart of the idea of mercy is this idea that we don't get what we deserve. That's at the heart of the idea of mercy. And mercy is a little different than grace because grace is us getting something we don't deserve. Okay? So if you've never heard that before, let me make sure you understand that. Mercy is not getting what you actually deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. So mercy is you're guilty but you're not getting the sentence for your guilt. Grace is, you're guilty, and I'm giving you your freedom. So they're just a little bit different. They're basically flip sides of the same coin, but they work together hand in hand. So compassion and loving kindness, not giving us what we deserve. We know that salvation, we're told in Scripture, is by grace through faith. But the judgment for our sins is by His mercy. So the mercy that God showed us is that He did not give us the punishment for our sins, but He placed it on Jesus. So the mercy that we were given is we didn't get our punishment. The grace that we were given is we got all of Jesus' righteousness when all of our sin was placed on Jesus. Is everybody with me? I want to make sure you understand this. God looked at us and He said, You deserve death. The wages of sin is death. You deserve to be apart from me forever. But I'm going to show you mercy. And the way I'm going to show you mercy is I'm going to pour out grace upon you by pouring out judgment on Jesus. And when we begin to understand not just that God loves us 
so much that He sent His Son, but that God is merciful to us that He not only sent His Son, but He put all of our punishment on Jesus instead of giving it to us? That's a game changer for us. And here's the great truth. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, means that once you were not God's people, but now you are God's people. Which means that the same mercy that was poured out on me is the same mercy that was poured out on you. It's the same mercy that was poured out on you. The same mercy that was poured out on you. I've received this mercy, and so has everybody who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Which means what I have in common with you is we are people of mercy. We've been shown great mercy. So I ask you, just in application, if we've been shown great mercy, will we show mercy to one another? We are God's people now. This is the greatness of the mercy that we've been shown. I want to make sure you understand it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3-5. through 5, Right back one chapter. You can flip back there and see it. Peter says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy. Alright, so it's His mercy. So He says, you don't deserve this. Right? You deserve something different than this, but I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to give you what I want to give you. According to His great mercy, He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. We're born again to a living hope by His mercy. We, we partake in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. God, by His great mercy, pours out grace. That's the equation. Is everybody with me? God, by His great mercy, pours out grace on us. Do not run too quickly by the mercy of God. Do not run too quickly by the mercy of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's mercy. Because what we deserved was to die ourselves. When we begin to understand the depth of our sin, not just that I'm not... I'm. I'm a little worse than that person, maybe a little better than that person. But when we begin to understand that, as R.C. Sproul says, sin is cosmic treason against God. Because He's the King. And we're committing treason against God when we sin. When we understand the depth of that sin, then we begin to understand the great mercy of God. That He would not give us what we deserve. How great is this mercy? Charles Spurgeon said, God's mercy is so great that you may sooner drain the sea of its water or deprive the sun of its light or make space too narrow than diminish the great mercy of God. How great is God's mercy? His mercy is so great that the sun would sooner stop shining than God not be merciful. That is our only hope. That is our only hope is the mercy of God. How great is God's mercy? Ephesians 2, 4-7 through says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, God's mercy is, is wrapped up in His love. We love to say God is love, but when God is love, He's also merciful to us. He looks and He says, There is justice that needs to happen. There is sin that needs to be dealt with. But you're not going to pay for it. Jesus is. That's the great mercy of God. It says in Ephesians 2, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved. 
And He raised us up with Him. And He seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 1 tells us, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That's what Paul is saying. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. This is what Paul says. And you know about Paul's life. Paul did a lot of things right according to the law. But he says, I'm the chief of sinners. And God showed me mercy so that in showing me mercy, everybody else would know just how patient and merciful Jesus is. You see, when we, when we start doing things like, well, you know, it was never really that bad. You know what we're doing to the world? We're basically saying, Jesus didn't have to do that much to save me. Let me say that again. When we downplay our sinfulness before Christ, we're telling the world, Jesus didn't have to do that much to make me His. I had it pretty much all together. Didn't really need much mercy. Paul, of all people, could have said, didn't need much mercy. And you know what he says? God was so merciful to me so that everyone would know just how merciful Jesus is. Is your life so marked by your understanding that you deserved death for your sins? And God gave you life because of Jesus. That everyone around you would say, Ah, mercy. I want that type of mercy. The mercy that's been shown to him. The mercy that's been shown to her. How great is this mercy? It can save the chief of sinners. How great is this mercy? It can call us out of who we once were when we weren't God's people. And here's a description of who we once were in Titus chapter 3. We ourselves were once foolish. It's not me saying it's the Bible. We were once disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures. We passed our days in malice and envy. We were hated by others and we hated one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy. We were foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. So basically what he's saying here is God looked at you and saw nothing good. He did not look at you and go, wow, I need him on my team. He did not look at me and say, He has such gifts. I should use Him. God set His mercy on us. Because all we had was that we were made in His image. And all we had was that He's a merciful God. If we grasp this, the Gospel we proclaim to the world changes. Jesus is made to look excellent. And glorious because He pours out mercy on His people. I want you to know this good news. I want you to believe this good news. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ, do not neglect this offer of mercy. Don't run too quickly by this offer of mercy. Your sin deserves justice, but your Savior offers mercy. 
You're not going to understand your need for grace until you understand your need for mercy. Until you understand how much you need to escape punishment, you're not going to understand how much you need a Savior. So today I want you to know there is mercy being offered to you. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve the wages of our sin, which is spiritual death. But the mercy of God is that Jesus took that death. He took that punishment for you. And if you place your trust in Him by turning from your sin and finding your life, your treasure, your hope in Jesus, you will not only experience the mercy of not getting what you deserve, but you'll experience the grace of salvation and new life in Him. If you, D.L. Moody said, if you are ready to partake of grace, you, you don't have to atone for your sins. You have to merely accept the fact that Jesus has already atoned for your sins. All that you want to do now is cry, God have mercy on me. God have mercy on me, a sinner. John Stott says the gospel is good news of mercy to the undeserving. Let us not forget that the symbol of our faith is not scales weighing out our right and wrong, but a cross that proves God's mercy to us. If we will get that as the people of God, God will show His power in us as He pours out His mercy. And Jesus will be made to look glorious. Believer in Jesus today, if you have received this mercy, you have received this mercy to become the people of God, to no longer live for your own kingdom, but to live to proclaim one great truth, the excellencies of Jesus, the one who's called us out of darkness into his marvelous light by his mercy. You and I all deserved to be left in the dark. And if you are in the light today of His grace, it's because of His mercy. Call out to Jesus. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And let's not keep, let, let's not stop calling out to Jesus. Today there's good news for the believer. Once you're a believer, you're no longer considered a sinner. You're considered a child of God. You get to move from the darkness of being a sinner to the light of being an heir to the kingdom. That's mercy. Let's rest in that today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that today we would be Your people because of Your mercy and we would take that mercy to everyone we meet. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're going to read together in our benediction.